Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Kokora Movement Podcast. On this episode, we have Kevin Larrabee. He is a strength coach and the owner of Allied Strength in Massachusetts. He is the host of the FitCast Podcast, as well as the Back on My Play Podcast. We had a really fun conversation, and let's just go ahead and get this party started. started I'd like to have a little section where I talk about me a little bit so you guys get to know me a little bit better other than the normal conversations that we have on the podcast so I talk about stuff that I find is interesting podcasts that I'm listening to things that I don't like and things that I like and uh, just you know kind of going down these little rabbit holes so you guys can get to know me a little better and so today we're going to talk about a big pet peeve of mine and hopefully this reaches a few people to where this is no longer a weird kind of epidemic that we're having and that is just walking aimlessly through parking lots because this isn't like the normal thing where you get out of your car and you walk to the grocery store and then when you're done at the grocery store you walk back to your car that's not what I'm talking about what I'm talking about is the people that just walk through the parking lot and they're just walking behind the cars and they're just being a liability themselves and the people around them all they gotta do is just walk 10 feet to their right or left and they're on a sidewalk. And that's what sidewalks are invented for. They're to walk off to the side where there is no danger to you and you're not in the way of anybody who's trying to back up and you're not you know, in danger from these teenagers who are driving through the parking lots text messaging and not paying attention where they're going. It's it drives me crazy even to the point where when I was in college and I was taking a psychology class I wanted to do a case study I wanted to walk up to these people with a clipboard and some piece of paper and ask them hey what's the problem with that sidewalk over there why aren't you walking on it it doesn't make any sense like you know but then here's the deal I've caught myself doing that a few times but I immediately course correct and I immediately walk over to the sidewalk which is what that thing is invented for, to walk off to the side where nobody will run you over. Yeah, so that's how I feel about that. And hopefully we spread the word a little bit and make some awareness to where, you know, people walk on sidewalks again. Let's make sidewalks great again. Yeah, anyway, so rant over. Without further ado, Kevin Larrabee. Kevin Larrabee, thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So this is uh, a really interesting conversation for me because I've heard of you before, but I never really kind of dove into any of your stuff. And so yes. once, um, once we decided to do this podcast together, then I started listening to your FitCast and I'm like, how come I haven't heard this? This doesn't make any sense. And then you know, started listening to you on other podcasts and, and 
your career we're just going to start with that is is pretty bananas like you yeah yeah so you got out of college right and then just immediately went to eric cressy's gym well i went to mtv first okay (laughs) um that was that was kind of the weird uh potential you know branch in the path where i um you know oddly enough when i was finishing up my um my senior year of college we have to have an internship as part of our um our course credits so i accepted an internship at mike bolster the initiating uh, but then I also wanted to make sure I had this kind of itch to get into journalism and like video game stuff. So I ended up booking around and I got in at MTV games or is, um, it was actually spike TV and game trailers.com. So I ended up going to Santa Monica for about three months before the economy crashed a little bit, which was definitely a motivator. But then it allowed me to just kind of scratch that itch. And that's when I went to, to Cressy's after that. So I was thankful to, after <laughs> calling up Mike Boyle and saying, actually, I'm going to go do some video game stuff for a little bit. He was very understanding. Uh, and then Eric had, this was back in the day of 2009 when like, I could just email Eric and just get a spot in the internship. It was me and one other person where today it's now they get like 100 applications for this stuff. Yeah, that's just crazy. So, um, you know, I've been a, this is one of the other interesting things that I wanted to talk to you about because I listened to your podcast where you were interviewed on air and you had mentioned, right. so that was a couple of years ago and you had mentioned that you wanted to talk to um, a CrossFit coach about what their thoughts on CrossFit were. And yeah, so, yeah, so I've been a CrossFit coach for 10 years. And awesome. Yeah. So about um, three years ago, I kind of started to get disenchanted with it and was really kind of bored with it. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I started, um, my, uh, massage practice, which is my profession right now. Awesome. And you know, that's how I, uh, discovered, uh, Michael Boyle is by finding out the work that he did with Gray cook on, uh, the joint by joint approach. Right. And then, you know, started kind of going down that rabbit hole and was like, well, how are these strength and conditioning coaches making their athletes move? Mm-hmm. Because I'm, moving just in one plane of motion and that's unacceptable. So now I need to do all these different exploratory movement patterns. So then I started following, you know, the, the typical lineage of strength and conditioning coaches and Eric Cressy and Michael Boyle are right up there. And then I start listening to you and I'm like, wow, like you started your career with like the best in the business just right away. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't have asked for, for kind of a better start in this and it was, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like what that, you know, the FitCast opened up those opportunities because I knew these guys while I was still in college when I was like 19 years old, I was, I trained with Eric. He, I mean, this is, speaks to the kind of person that he is where he, um, was working at another gym before he opened up Cressy Performance and Cressy Sports Performance. Uh, and it was in between my junior and senior years of college where I was home for the summer. I lived about 45, actually, I think it was an hour away from his gym. And uh, he basically said, hey, man, if you can just kind of pay the dues for the gym, I'll coach you for free for the summer. Um, Just that in itself was a huge learning experience to learn how to go through these like these big three lifts and how to coach them and how to progress them and to actually build a really strong foundation of strength uh, to challenge myself in the gym 
uh, was really, really beneficial. And like you mentioned, I, I was at Cresties for about six months for an internship. Uh, that was after I came back from Santa Monica. Again, Cresties Sports Performance was also about an hour from my house. So I was driving about an hour back and forth each day, which wasn't too, too bad. But uh, after that, I went to Boston Sports Club. So I was working in a commercial gym environment for about about 10 months. I was kind of like, lead, like this is how they you know, track things. I was leading in sales just in terms of sessions sold and all that stuff, which I didn't necessarily love that atmosphere. Uh, and I was really just going in, doing my personal training and getting out of there and kind of actually literally sometimes going to Cressy's and training with them and stuff still. So um, after about 10 months of that, I, I emailed around and Mike was one of the guys that I emailed to try to figure out what to do next. And he gave me, you know, a meeting at his gym. So like, hey, just come down tomorrow. Let's talk for 15 minutes. Let's see if we can figure something out. And um, and I spent about the next eight and a half years there. That's so insane to me. Because like just starting out your career with like the the top achievers in that field, and just for sure, yeah. And then and now you starting your own gym with that just incredible wealth of knowledge that you've gained over the years. That's I can't even imagine that. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Again, you know, it's it's. This is, I think, the one thing that folks that are new to the industry sometimes miss out on is that the best thing you can get is experience. Um, yeah. Like just putting in tons and tons of hours. You can't, you can't come out of, of college or just get your first certification and then just be an expert or be, you know, capable of making yourself a, a huge selling point in itself. Um, I think what folks really need to do is. I mean, I think there's been some talk of like that 10,000 hour rule, not necessarily being a hundred percent accurate, but you know, obviously one of the best things that happened is that I got to train tons of athletes, adults with lots of different injury histories and goals and stuff like that. And that allowed me to kind of step into here where I am right now in the community that I'm in and just automatically just be the go-to expert for this stuff. Um, because, you know, a lot of folks that are in this area, they don't necessarily have that kind of wide range of capabilities working from with a, like a 11 year old athlete all the way up to, you know, a 75 or an 80 year old adult just trying to make sure that they're kind of staying active and, and, and staying away from the walker in the wheelchair and stuff like that as long as possible. So I think that's why internships are always really beneficial. Mentorships are really big now for people in the industry. If you ever have the opportunity to go and just see how other people coach and look in depth into their methodology and why they do what they do, I think it can be really valuable even if you don't, you know, completely replicate it. Like I do things here that we didn't do a boils or didn't do a Cressy's. Like one of the things that I talk about a lot is the shock of having to go from Cressy's where we were back squatting, we were front squatting, we were straight bar deadlifting, uh, and then going to boils where we did none of that. Yeah. Um, you know, at, at most we would do, I think when I started there, there was, they were still front squatting, but it was towards the end of that where we were pretty much going all straight single leg on everything that we did minus some, uh, like trap bar deadlifting, like we trap bar deadlift because that was a relatively safe bilateral movement that we could do but um yeah again it's it's just it's 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 hard to think about it but now i'm 33 and i've been coaching for 
uh, 14 years, which is yeah. just insane. <laughs> yeah. That's so crazy. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where CrossFit kind of leads in. And so, you know, like I said, I've been coaching it for 10 years and I, you know, uh, came into CrossFit out of, uh, mixed martial arts and jujitsu. Mm -hmm. And so, awesome. it, yeah, so it was really, uh, beneficial to me at the time. And so then, you know, I started going to massage school and then I got out of massage school and then I started going down just this, uh, crazy path of education, uh, that, so like, uh, DNS is one of the first ones that mm -hmm. I took. Um, cool, yeah. and then, you know, started going down like the sports massage route, quote unquote, mm -hmm. and, you know, taking FRC and like all this different stuff. And so now like the education that I'm at, like the point that I'm at now is where I'm, I, and I've been, I should preface this by saying, this is my opinion on CrossFit, <laughs> you know? And so I think that CrossFit in itself is just a healthier version of what you used to do. Mm -hmm. So saying like, if you are somebody who's grossly overweight and has been eating, you know, McDonald's and Burger King and, and Taco Bell every day. Good stuff. Own, yeah. And then you go to veganism. Is mm -hmm. it healthier for you? Absolutely. You know what I mean? So that's how I right. feel about CrossFit too. So like, you know, um, if you're, sitting on the couch and you're overweight and then you go from the couch to the office or whatever, and then you start CrossFit, it's healthier to, for you. But to a I point. think, yeah, I, I think, yeah. I mean, this is, this is where the discussion comes in. What I was really looking into over the last couple months or like one of the things that I'm playing around with as like future projects is kind of taking a look at, um, at all these certifications because as I, I founded a certification with the CFSC with those guys, um, and, you know, wanting to look and get an in-depth look into the CrossFit certification. What does their education process looks like? What is it, what does it mean to pass a CrossFit certification to be a certified CrossFit coach? Um, and along with that was talking with other CrossFit coaches and just kind of seeing what was out there. And I think what happens is that in the fitness industry, there is such a wide gap of quality in coaches. You right. have folks that have been Okay. I mean, you have a couple of extremes. You have coaches that have been doing this for 30 years, but they've been doing it the same way for 30 years. Like they right. never really evolved. You have coaches that are brand new who just got their certification. They haven't even coached anyone before, right. but now they're getting paid to coach other people. Um, and I think what happens and this is, again, we're just talking about opinions here. Um, you know, I think and this is also coming from feedback that I've had from folks that have come and joined this gym coming from CrossFit gyms, people that I've worked with through the certifications who have been, you know, kind of crossed those barriers. But the, the thing that I always worry about is the on-ramp process for new uh, members in a CrossFit gym. The thing that I, that frustrates me the most, and this isn't just in CrossFit, it's in the fitness industry in general is people don't, our coaches can at times have a hard time with that on-ramp process, making this an inviting and a positive experience for them versus, you know, if you can't do 10, uh, you know, 10 barbell snatches with the weight that's on the bar right now, then, you know, tough shit. Like that's, that's literally some of the experience that I've had. And the problem is because there are some great CrossFit coaches out there. 
there's some coaches that will make sure that they can progress and regress and help people along that journey and making sure that they're, you know, like the, the way I like to say it at Allied Strength is we're always going to challenge you, but you're never going to feel defeated. Like you're never going to be in that position of constant failure where I, I, I think I've heard too many stories of people at in, in CrossFit is a higher intensity. So there's a higher likelihood of potential failure. If someone can't do, you know, their kipping chin, chin ups or something like that, they're kipping pull-ups or if they can't do these Olympic lifts or if they can't do whatever is just written on the whiteboard, not necessarily geared with any sort of variations based on someone's movement ability or their strength or their endurance. I think that's where, uh, like that whiteboard mentality, I think is, is where I, I have the biggest frustrations with it, but it's the same thing. Like with it, it's, it's a, it's the same thing with a coach who has a client who hurt their knee over the weekend skiing and says, all right, I guess we're not going to do any lower body today. Right. That's not an answer. That's right. not a solution. Right. You have to be able to have a game plan to go and make, like, again, this is kind of the analogy I like to use. Like, can you go to the line and call an audible? If things right. don't look good, can you call an audible? Do you have a plan A, B, C, D, E, F, like all the way to Z based on what might walk through the door? Do you have the capability to coach multiple people and have an understanding that we're going to have variations of these movement patterns? So also like, I'm not going to send you over to the corner and act like you're, you're the person that can't do this stuff. Everyone else can do it. You can't do it. So I'm going to send you over to this corner by yourself to do something different. You know, can we make things look similar enough? So someone that can't necessarily do, you know, a, a single leg deadlift on day one, am I going to be able to have some regressions cap- like for them or some lateralization like Charlie Weingroff likes to call them for these movement patterns just to make sure Again, I, fitness is a tough thing. Um, not not to not to go on for a second, but like the way I like to tell people about it is, the, the hardest thing you're going to do at Allied Strength is you're going to walk through that door for the first time. If right. you walk through that door for the first time, I got you. We right. got you. We have a community here that's going to help you along the way. Uh, we have a great group of people that train here, both athletes and adults. Like, I feel spoiled with the kind of positive people that we have here. And I think the, the thing that is most, the, the biggest hurdle for people is the intimidation of walking into a new environment, um, not knowing how to use any of this stuff. Like yeah. people don't know even like something like a TRX row or they're like, oh my God, am I gonna have to do push-ups on the ground? I can't do push-ups on the ground. Like what am I gonna do? Um, bringing them into an environment that is, encouraging and inviting and is fun um, because the people that want at the end of the day the people that want to deadlift 500 that's a very 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 small population of the people that we need to try to help as fitness professionals most of the people that we need to help are you know uh, you know the moms and dads that still want to play with their kids that they want to go hiking on the weekend they want to go skiing with their kids or whatever it's you know the 12 year old, like again, I, you know, I had uh, a middle, an eight grade uh, girl that came into the gym. who was like kind of terrified of this stuff because it's like, again, it's a whole new environment. She's never done anything like this before, but she needs a program like this because she plays a sport year round. She at her height is an increased risk of hip and knee injuries. Like these are things that she needs to just stay healthy. 
um, keeping kids on the field, keeping them from getting hurt and stuff. So I think that's, that's, that's not a frustration that I have with, with just like CrossFit. It's just across the board. We as an industry are still failing a large uh, portion of the population. Right. And so we're essentially speaking the same language. So the way that I look at the CrossFit education is the same way that I look at, you know, your, your typical massage education where it's just remedial education. And so this is like the, and I've re I had to do my re up. So I've taken that CrossFit certification twice now. And so it's basically them going through each one of their foundational movements and being, these are the shapes that your people are supposed to achieve. Right. And this is how you coach that shape and that's it. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so then, you know, the big thing that, uh, about CrossFit is the intensity. So then they're trying to teach you how to coach people under intensity and under load. And so then, um, you know, like you, uh, said about Charlie Weingroff with where you should have lateral, movement patterns for people that can't accomplish this stuff. And so that is the education that I believe that a lot of of coaches need to get once they get done with their remedial education, right? So you need to, so if somebody can't figure out how to organize their spine in a deadlift, you need to have a regression for the deadlift. Or a teaching tool on how to get them in that position. Correct. It's like something simple. Correct. And so I also think that, you know, and what I have come to call it is the competition standard for the squat, which is hips mm-hmm. below parallel. You know what I mean? So like I've been, uh, you know, speaking on older populations, I've been coaching my mom for two years now and she's, awesome. um, she's 67. And, you know, two years ago she was squatting to a 24 inch box and now she's squatting to a 12 inch box. That's great. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's a two year long progression. Yep. And like, I don't, I don't give a shit where your hips are when you squat, are you squatting? Because that's, Mm -hmm. you know, can we work it to where you can start getting that single leg bias? Because I think that that's incredibly important also, because, you know, 80% of walking is on one leg and 100% of running is on one leg. So, you know, you should train accordingly. And so, you know, there's a, and like the, the serious gap that I've been trying to fix in my, uh, the CrossFit gym that I coach at is, is the prerequisites like you should have prerequisite mm-hmm. strength and you should have prerequisite mobility and you should have totally you know, yeah prerequisite ability and a lot of people are lacking that so like you know you mentioned the kipping pull-up that frustrates me to no end on both ends of my professions as a coach and a massage therapist because a yeah. as a massage therapist it keeps me in business but b as a coach it's hurting right. people because yeah, I think I think just across the board, like that that's something that just needs to be dumped. Like that's just a bad movement. Like there's I just don't see how any sane coach can say, No, that's really great for the general population. <laughs> no, it's really great for someone that's competing for the CrossFit games. I think that's right. the very small like point zero 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 one percent of the population that that movement is good for. Um like, you know, if you go survey 100 folks that have been doing a CrossFit program for three years and they've been doing those uh, kipping pull-ups across, I bet you would have like a 90% uh, response on having shoulder problems. And again, it's like one of those things where, you know, these are folks that are just looking to, you know, look better and move better uh, and feel better. Like if, if, if you can't find a different way to do that, then something that just, you know, it could potentially look cool, 
let alone just, you know, this is something that I don't think is really positive for our industry, but there is no shortage of videos of people falling off bars and slamming their heads on the ground because they lose their grip. <laughs> right. And that's just like, again, like for everything, single thing that you're going to program, you need to have a strong why behind it. You need to have a good risk reward ratio. It, like pretty much, I mean, like there, there's the, the idea of like self-limiting exercises, like self-limiting exercises are really beneficial because there's no chance of injury. You just, just you stop. It's like a TRX right. row. If you can't pull up anymore, you just stop. A sled push. If you can't push it anymore, the sled doesn't go anywhere. If you, uh, you know, even a, a push up, like if you can't push up, you just go down to the ground and you're probably not going to get hurt, you know, moving right. those couple inches. So, um, again, I think that's one of those things where, you know, hopefully they will continue to evolve on that stuff because it's, um, again, it's, it's just, just doesn't make a lot of sense to me as, as a coach and as someone that's seen a lot of people move and that has heard too many horror stories from, from folks that have, you know, gone to that stuff. Um, I think the other thing is, is that, you know, CrossFit tends to bring a different type of coach that people sometimes want is like a high intensity coach. You know, sometimes people, not directly in their face, but definitely with a higher volume uh, of coaching and trying to encourage them and stuff like that, um, which isn't necessarily a, a bad thing. But I think, uh, you know, if anyone has seen me coachers as uh, been in my gym, I, I'm, I'm not an in your face type of person. I'm clapping. I am saying great job, but I am not necessarily like yelling, like pull, 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 like, you know, screaming and stuff like that. Because uh, one, that's just not my personality. And two, like, I'm just not going to yell at a 16-year-old kid to keep doing something. It's just, like, this isn't, you know, football practice. This is something completely different. Right. And so that's, uh, you know, just from coming from my massage background with uh, neurokinetic therapy, which is uh, neurological muscle testing to figure out where the dysfunction is that's causing the pain. And mm -hmm. so normally when... Uh, you start to feel pain is when a larger muscle group is fatigued, but then you go past that point of fatigue and then smaller muscle groups tend to take over. Right. And so doing jobs that, they weren't built to do. Right. So knowing that that's when, you know, once you push past that threshold of what your body's doing, then that's when those smaller muscle groups take over. And, you know, you see that all the time. So then, you know, like the, when in CrossFit, when they're doing 150 to 200 sit-ups, like I can watch it happen around rep 50 or 60, their abs tend to neurologically shut down and then right. they start using their hip flexors in the front of their neck to complete the sit up. Or why do sit ups? Yeah. <laughs> like why, I, again, that's one of those things where, um, you know, the only kind of sit up variation that we will do here is a straight arm, straight leg setup, which is more of an anti-flexion drill right. for the torso. Um, and that's, and that's honestly like, that's one of those things where if I have people come in and say like, well, we're not doing any crunches. Now I got something for you, but it's going to be a safe version of what you think that you want to do. Because again, this is like one of those things that has been a big part of my philosophy here is everything we kind of do like with their athletes or the adults, it's a discussion, right? It's, uh, Jesse, do you think you can deadlift that 44 kg kettlebell? How are you feeling right now? Do you think you can do it? If you don't, I don't want you to push yourself to do it. I just want to, we've got to have this conversation. It's, you know, and it's also like making them part of the solution process. Like, right. all right, just what, what do you think we could do like maybe differently? Is there something that you're noticing that you think we could be doing? Um, or like, is there a different 
you know, if I give you a couple of these exercises, which one do you think is going to be, you know, better for what you're trying to do? Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I'm making the final call on this stuff, but I think it's important to also have a discussion and it's, you know, this isn't boot camp. It's not, you know, something that, again, I, that, that is, some folks do that and I understand they're going to attract a certain population. That is for me, that's kind of not the population I'm going for. Like really the mission statement of this gym is to reach the people that don't like gyms. Right. It's to help the people that feel like they've failed multiple times in other places and they think nothing else, like nothing's ever going to work. It's to find those people and show them, yeah, something will work. Um, I'm going to give you something that will allow you to get towards your goals and, and make progress. Um, that's kind of what I want to do. It's just, I've, you know, that the other stuff isn't really appealing to me at all. Yeah. And so that's how my training has evolved over the years is, you know, I, I got to that 500 pound deadlift and now I'm like, okay, now what? So now I'm pretty, exactly. I'm pretty strong. And so yeah. do I crush myself for six months to get 25 pounds more on a 500 pound deadlift? Or do right. I just start working within that to where I stay within that adaptation phase to where I hold on to that strength as long as I can. Right. So that's where I'm at right now. And I'm just really, you know, building variance and, and in multiple planes of motion and, you know, constantly trying to figure out different movement patterns that my body hasn't really experienced yet. And, you know, going back to the sit up, the sit up thing that you were talking about, like when I, the very first, uh, DNS education that I went to, that's where I kind of discovered what the core actually is. And now the way that I explain it to people is that your core is your shoe and your abs are the shoelaces. So if you do a yeah. shit ton of sit-ups, you're just tightening the crap out of your shoelaces and it doesn't help anything. You know what I mean? So you gotta, you gotta attack that whole thing and make sure that your body has room to deal with variables because that's mm -hmm. where injuries happen. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, you know, you, you bring up another good point. Like it's the difference between like, those are your goals. And I think, you know, my goals are never going to be the same as what the goals are of people in here. Like right. that's, I think another main mistake we see with a lot of coaches that they force their goals and what they believe people should be shooting for on the people that come into their gym. Um, where a lot of this stuff, it gets adapted on the fly based on what people want to do. Again, usually it's those three things. It's, you know, for adults, it's looking better, moving better, and feeling healthier, like having more energy and stuff like that. For athletes, it's obviously to perform better right. um, and stay healthy. Like those are the two big things for, for those athletes. So, um, you know, I'm not even if I wanted to like say bench 300, I'm not going to try to help other people here bench 300 because right. that's not their goal. Um, right. and that's, I just can't, I, I think that's one of the, the, the thoughts that I've had a lot over the last six months is, um, education in the fitness industry can still be way better. Um, right. it's gotten better. It's evolved. It's evolved into more certifications and stuff like that, which I think allows for a more in-depth, um, more in-depth education and some sort of hurdle to get over, hopefully with some sort of exam, preferably hands-on for that stuff. But I still think that, um, you know, as much as we're failing the people that are coming into our gym, we're also failing the people that are trying to help those people trying that are coming into the gym. Um, so that's, that's, again, that's, I have no solution on that right now. It's just, that's why I was looking into the CrossFit stuff and I was looking into other certifications, you know, like, you know, what are they doing? Um, you know, what are their parameters for someone getting certified? What is that 
hands-on process look like? How do they judge people? How are they coaching these coaches to perform these, these rather like elaborate movements uh, where lots of things can pop up and are they providing solutions for those common things that that could happen? So, um, but again, yeah, no, no final answers on that just yet. Right. And so that's, you know, the, there's all these interesting parallels between massage school and CrossFit. And one of them is, you know, once you graduate massage school, once you get your CrossFit, then you're just like, I guess I'll learn more CrossFit or, I guess I'll go learn more massage, but there's so much more information out there, you know, and, right. and, um, you know, rock tape was the first, uh, education I took right out of, um, right out of massage school. And that's when I got introduced to the joint by joint approach, which was how I found Mike mm-hmm. Boyle. And then, you know, talking to my wife's uh, strength and conditioning coach, he was like, Hey, take this DNS course. And then I took that mm-hmm. course and then I was just off to the races and there's, you know, you, don't need to stay within your industry to learn stuff and to, of course. and so my whole, my whole drive is to just, how can I help people and how can I get as much information as I can to help people be better? Because that's literally all I'm doing. And, you know, yeah. I'm just a guide to help these individual people, but each individual has different needs. So like I have, I have the mobility and the prerequisites to do an overhead squat, but majority of the people don't so don't Mm. do overhead squats you know what i mean and and there's you know back to your point there's people that probably shouldn't even be squatting right now we should be working on other stuff and so i think that the you know trying to like my biggest struggle is trying to make crossfit more individualized for specific people and that's really Mm -hmm. difficult and really frustrating and and i understand completely where you're coming from on the education standpoint, just trying to fill in the gaps. And so that's where I, the, there's specific people that I follow that are really high up in my industry that, you know, they see these gaps and then that doesn't make sense. How come nobody's teaching that? And then they just start teaching it, Mm -hmm. you know, and then that evolves over time to where they just have multiple courses. And so, you know, I think that's a, like ultimately I want to go into teaching because I think that there's gaps there and you know, I hear that's where you're at too. And so, you know, just kind of moving in that direction is, uh, yeah, is the way to go. And just, you know, just trying to come up with a game plan and and figuring out exactly what those gaps are because you know, Mm -hmm. what's the, the biggest realization for me is like what becomes common knowledge to you isn't for other people and other people need to know that stuff. You know what I mean? So that's, I think, a really important thing to understand. And, you know, because I'm just like, well, what do I have to teach people? But I'm always looking at these people that are, you know, so, so high up the cliff where you're just like, God, how do they know so much? You know what I mean? But you know more than people that are just starting out. So let's get those people and get them it's going. Just hours, man. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's, 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 it's one of the things that, I mean, we've always obviously been talking a lot about education, but I know some coaches that just jumped from internship to internship to internship. And then they never actually went and coached people. Like you gotta, at some point you got to jump into the deep end and you got to see what you're capable of doing. You got to, you know, unfortunately you got to make mistakes and you got to figure out what works and what doesn't work. Um, But then, you know, you get to a point where 
know, I can have people that come in with low back pain and fix it in 10 minutes. I have right. people that come in with anything like this is common stuff. We should all know how to fix relatively quickly unless there's some sort of trauma. Um, right. You know, these are things that allow you to look like, like a magician. It allows you to earn that money like 10 minutes in, you know, into the process of, of the, the tra- the first training session. Um, and that's how you also get buy-in. Like I think right. the big thing that we need to make sure that we have for folks is that they believe you can help them get where they want to go. If they don't, then they're not going to stay there. Um, but that's, uh, yeah. Um, what else we got to talk about? We got, we got lots to talk about, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. Go down forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so you, I, uh, found out about you wanting to be on a p- different podcast just from uh, a Facebook post that you made where you just said that you had some stuff to talk about. So like, let's go down that. Well, yeah. I, again. Yeah. I think that, I mean, we've, we've hit on a lot of that stuff so far, like for, for me, um, you know, I, I did the FitCast for, uh, what are we talking about? Um, almost 13 years coming up on 13 years for that stuff. Bananas. And, and so that's, uh, one of my favorite things about when you were on your own podcast being interviewed, like the, the way that your life is kind of progressing is, is very similar to mine to where you're just like, well, I want to do this. And then how do I start a podcast? Well, I guess I'll just ask that guy to be on my podcast and then ask her to be on my podcast. And then, you know, all of a sudden that's what you're doing. And so like kind of building, starting a habit that Mm -hmm. points you in the direction that you want to go. And so, you know, uh, I think it's four episodes now, uh, four episodes ago, I was uh, interviewing a friend of mine named Dr. Sebastian Gonzalez, who's a chiropractor out of uh, Huntington beach. And the second he gets on, he's like, how come you don't have a microphone? Like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're a podcaster, aren't you? And I'm like, I am one. And it took me like 30 yeah. episodes to like get that, that I should probably have a microphone because I'm a podcaster now. And so, you know, that sounds... Well, I mean, we have... Yeah, we, I mean, we have like, you know, I'm using, you know, I'm being lazy today. So I'm using an iPhone like headset and those are pretty good. Yeah, uh, I mean, everything out there sounds pretty good. And like, we're using zoom, which compresses stuff anyways, which, you know, doesn't always, I mean, you could, I think that's probably one of the biggest mistakes I see in podcasts is people spend like $400 on a microphone. And I'm like, you're on episode two, you don't need yeah. a $400 microphone. Like the one I recommend is like $65 and it sounds awesome. Um, yeah. and it's versatile and stuff, but um, yeah, I mean, I think with, with a lot of this stuff and I'm literally doing like three podcasts this week is just trying to, um, you know, talk about some more stuff that is, is, is not being talked about and talk about some stuff like debates I'm having with, with Mike Boyle, like this is constant back and forth that we've had for years and years at our staff meetings of, you know, the, the barbell bench press for youth athletes. Like that's something that I'm, I'm getting into uh, more and more. It's something that he and I have disagreed on. You know, we have had good discussions, good positive discussions about this stuff. Um, but trying to, you know, I don't know how much longer I'll do the fit cast. Like I've been doing it for a really long time and I'm kind of getting to the point where, uh, you know, to be honest, I have so much more fun coaching in this gym uh, it's literally the best part of my day. And it's one of those things where, 
you know, uh, you know, I forget what the saying is, but, you know, try not to half-ass a bunch of things, try to full-ass, you know, one or two things and really (laughs) invest into that. So um, for me, like I am, aside from running the gym and coaching in here, I'm still running uh, like two things for, for NBSC, other companies that we started out of there doing the fit cast doing this retro game podcast back in my play that has like more listeners than even the fit cast does which is nuts um but the uh the thing for me is just trying to you know have some 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 good conversations that can benefit the industry that is tough to have like say if i had you on the fit cast it's usually to talk with the guests about things that they have going on in their thought processes on a bunch of different subjects where I kind of am moving towards the opportunity again in my thirties where I feel like this is a time to start talking about some stuff that I think is, um, you know, slightly different than what other people are talking about. Like the idea where again, to use that, that example with Mike, um, like I literally wrote up this, I think I actually have it right here. Yeah. My outline for the defense of the pushup, like a reply to this idea where, you know, uh, Again, it's hard to put into context without people seeing the staff meeting, but basically, you know, there were these two 11-year-olds that were doing dumbbell bench press in the group versus barbell bench press, which was kind of part of the program for that middle school uh, session of that day. And in the history of this is that I would always say, you know what we should do? What we should do is we should always start with push-up. That should be our first upper body, you know, horizontal pressing movement because we have so many great things that go along with that. You get you know, shoulder and scapular stability, you get core stability along with it, your shoulder health, where with a barbell, like, you know, hopefully they're having a good eccentric portion of that, but it's not just that. It's, their, it's not as safe of an exercise to do. It's not self-limiting. Uh, I don't know if you've coached 11 or 12-year-olds, but they can kind of, especially boys, they can kind of be dumbasses, and they can <laughs> be fooling around. Like, they could be looking, instead of spotting, like, they – would be paired up with each other and they'd be spotting. And sometimes they'd be like talking with someone else or looking over there, like screwing around. And like, that can be very dangerous. Like the, yeah. the couple times that I ever kicked kids out of the group for the day were situations like that, where they were potentially putting other athletes uh, in, in, you know, the way of, of harm. So uh, this, this came up in the staff meeting a couple of weeks ago. And like, I still edit the staff meetings for educational content and the, uh, you know, Mike's like, Kevin's going to be doing backflips in, you know, Gloucester, feeling like he got stabbed in the back because, you know, I think we should be doing bench press. Like, I don't think it's as good of an exercise as, as push-ups. And also this idea of when do we classify athletes as overhead athletes? What age do we do that um, before, you know, they're just athletes, they're just kids. Like, yeah. you don't need to necessarily classify them uh, for, for whatever. So um, basically, yeah, that that's kind of – one of the big things that I hopefully have time to film in the next week or two, but it's been kind of a crazy couple of weeks uh, for, for the gym and for some stuff that I was going on in my life. So, um, I mean, I think that's, that's one of the, the big ones, but I just, uh, God, I hope I can get Mike to sit down in a room with me and record that. Maybe that will be like our episode, I think 500 or whatever that's coming up. Yeah. Uh, just kind of sit down and, and do that stuff. And again, it's like, one of those things where, you know, you, even if you have those racks, like I think that was one of our justifications for programming is logistics, right? It is for any gym uh, where we have those racks, we should use them. And that way right. we can also spread kids out because we're training, you know, 12 kids at a time or 12 adults at a time. 
but you know those racks can be used just as good for regressing the push-up as they can be for barbell bench press because you can use those j-hooks and have really small increments in progression regression for that stuff um but yeah i don't know i think it's it's just it's it's the right opportunity to start uh you know branching out and having some more serious discussions uh about that about gym ownership about the huge struggle about opening a, your own gym yeah. with zero clients from <laughs> day right. one like for massage it's probably the similar thing like what do you what do you do when you start you open up a business and you're like all right i have zero clients i have zero adults i have zero athletes let's figure it out right um and, and that's a big reason why i started the podcast is because and which is similar to the same reason you did is i'm just gathering information right now and the way that my brain works is that if I need it, other people probably need it too. And so the, course, the yeah. and you know, one of the things that I was really interested in in the beginning was, you know, what was it like starting out for you? And because that's really important for people like, and you know, the, the easy way out is to, you know, graduate massage school and then go directly into like massage envy or something. And then you're booked up yeah, right. eight hours a day, you know, yeah, but you I got, didn't want to do clientele. that. Right. I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to get pigeonholed. So then I started my own business and then there's times where you're like, yeah, this is great. I'm doing really well. And then, you know, right around Christmas, you're like, oh shit, I don't know. Should I go work for somebody? You know, because then you become really low on the priority list at that time. And so, you know, but it's like one of those things where if you just start, then stuff will start happening. And if you do a good job, then people will talk about it and then you'll get more people in there. And then, you know, it's just, and it's a, it's one of those things where you're not going to be really busy right off the bat. Like I'm almost four years in and I still have months where I'm really, really slow. You know, my dad is Mm -hmm. 22 years in, he's a massage therapist also. He's 22 years into this business and he still has months where he's really, really slow. And that's just the way it goes, you know? So you, uh, hopefully I get to a point within the next couple of years to where the times when I'm really busy will start to help pay for the times when I'm really slow. And that's just the way that it goes. And, you know, so then you got to start thinking about alternate sources of income, which is where I'm doing like my personalized training right now to where Mm -hmm. when I used to get clients that come in that are injured, then once I get them, their issue resolved there, then I get them into the gym and then they start paying me monthly fees and then they come in and they work out and I do workouts tailored specifically for them. And then that evolves into something where they're like, God, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm going to start go training for a triathlon. I'm like, cool, let's start training for that. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and building up your, your strength and your prerequisite strengths to where you can swim better and run longer and bike longer and get that all figured out. So you know, and I think that it's, uh, it's really important to just start doing things and just to kind of go in like without fear, like, you know, like you were talking about on, uh, the couple of podcasts that I listened to, you're like, I just want to start a gym. I'm just going to start a gym. You know what I mean? And this yeah. is how much oh, it's yeah, yeah. I think I found the space. Yeah. Yeah. I found yeah. the space that I'm in right now. And I'm like, all right, this seems like a, if I was going to do it, this is the right place to do it. Um, you know, but you know, it's, it is, it is tough because I'm right at the end of an industrial complex. Like I am a half a mile 
off of a side road that's off of a main road. So no one ever drives down here, like right. just casually. They only drive down here if they know exactly where they're going. And, um, you know, that was kind of the hard part is that, yeah, it was really great when we had our first paying member, which was uh, Tara. She's been here for, you know, ever since December of last year. So my God, that's almost uh, 14 months now. So. Yeah. You know, it really just, it's, it starts with one and yeah, there's a lot of times where like, I, especially at the start where I wouldn't even go into the gym, gym, yeah. the doors would be locked, uh, <laughs> uh, for, you know, like a day or two until she was back in and then, you know, got a couple of my stepdads, uh, my stepdad's, uh, uh, guy that he works for started, uh, training here and then his wife. And then, uh, we ended up having our first athlete. Then this, uh, past spring we had, uh, we got a connection with, and this is one of the big things is one of the things I, my biggest failures from the start was not being really integrated in the community here. Mm -hmm. Uh, just expecting people to show up where, uh, you know, you got to know people in the community. You got to know people that, uh, that know you really like you and want to send people to you. Um, and just to be, not just someone that like I went to high school in this area. Like I went, I grew up here, but as soon as I went to college, I never like came back here because I yeah. didn't have a lot of connections. But the, um, you know, the thing that has been a huge improvement over the last couple of months, especially in the sports performance department has been supporting the local boosters, like getting, uh, getting out there, putting ads in their programs and stuff like that. And, literally I've had two athletes just based off of that, which paid for the ad. And, you know, the first year you should basically take as a loss because before I open, I actually, I think I have one in the trash here. I'll show you because I just got a bunch of new ones done, but basically what I had for cards are basically a picture of the gym that was empty and saying like, you know what, you know, we got, adult group training. We got personal training and sports performance training. And here's a picture of an empty gym. Yeah. That's all I had. I didn't yeah. have, I didn't have people here to take pictures of. I didn't have testimonials from people training here. I had some testimonials from some people I used to work with, but again, like those are people that are in Woburn, they're in Linfield, they're, you know, they're away from here, uh, from Massachusetts. Um, and the, after the first year, now I have tons of proof. I have proof that's on the website. Our Instagram account is, just tons and tons of proof. It's proof of success. It's proof of people uh, loving the environment, having fun while they're training. Um, and that is kind of what you need that first six months to a year for. Like now in our, our gym, we have, you know, a bunch of t-shirts up on the wall from the athletes that train here. Like we yeah. have, we have the things that are starting to make this feel like a gym that had, that's healthy. Um, yeah. Again, you can't fake that. You can't right. fake that day one you need to kind of go through the really crappy process of getting that done and uh you know i'd be lying if there weren't days where i'm like man this sucks i really want to be in the gym right now and there's no one there's no one to train like i'm running ads there's no one emailing right no one sending facebook messages or instagram asking to do a free trial there was a time when I was trying to email all the local athletic directors and coaches and I offered six free weeks of sports performance training for local athletes. Just again, to get some of that proof, to get the ball rolling. No one replied to it. Yeah. Like it was one of those things where like, yo, is this like, was this a really bad idea? Um, yeah. 
but like now I, you know, there's, uh, the, the stuff that I was doing at NBC, I was making lots of money. I was yeah. getting to travel and stuff. Uh, they're making even more money now and they're kicking ass with the CFSC. But as much as I love those guys and what we built with that, there's no other place I'd rather be here. I'm telling you, I was in here last night, you know, was, I'm, I'm dealing with some, I have a, a bulging disc. So I'm dealing with some like nerve issues in my leg, which I'm hopefully getting fixed soon. Um, again, just lots of miles on a strength coach. It happens right. over the years. Um, but I was like feeling crappy. I was like feeling down, like laying down on my turf on my stomach because that's the only comfortable position I can be in. And then people start walking through the gym and these are, you know, people that have been training here for, for months and, and sometimes over a year. It's just immediately you forget about that. It's just fun. Like right. it, there's, there's literally nothing I would rather be doing right now than, you know, having some adults or athletes in the gym and, and coaching them right now. It's literally the best part of my day. And I, I'm not exaggerating when I say that. Right. And so that's very similar to my job as a, as a therapist and a coach is really just loving what you do. And I think that there, you know, there's been comes, there comes periods like we were just talking about where it gets really slow and there's, my wife is like, Hey, do you want to get a job? And then like just that her asking me that question is like, no, yeah. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. You know what I mean? And it's like, you gotta, like, if you, if this is your passion, this is what you truly love to do, then you just need to burn the ships and you need to get after it. And, 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 if, and if it's not get the hell out because right. there, there's so many, like there's so many coaches that, you know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm sure you have the same kind of stories of people that are like complaining about wearing friggin' shorts and a t-shirt to work. Like, I'm dressed up today. I'm, I'm dressed up today. I'm wearing Lululemon pants. Like yeah. <laughs> it, life ain't hard. Like this yeah. life is pretty good. And um, like, this is one of those things where you, you, you have a responsibility. If you, you're, we're, we're in the health profession, right. you have the responsibility, I believe, just like, you know, a doctor would, a nurse would, any kind of practitioner where people are putting their health in your hands if you're not in this to really help them and you're not enthusiastic about helping them get where they want to go, then you are doing them a huge disservice. I would almost go along the lines of you're stealing their money. Right. Like if you're the, if you're the trainer that has them walk in and has them warm up on the treadmill, like you're stealing, like you are like, these are people that, these are the people that feel like they fail all the time and that nothing will ever work. It's because they've had experiences like that. They think all the coaches and trainers suck they don't care. They're people that are just ripped and they don't understand what it's like to be overweight and to have to deal with the physical impact of that, the mental impact of that, the social impact of that. If you can't do that for people, then again, I think you need to, you need to go find another profession. I know you like being in the gym and wearing this, you know, a sweatpants and a, or like yoga pants and a t-shirt or shorts and a t-shirt, or you like, again, you know, to just hang out in a weight room because you think exercise is fun. I'm sorry. Like this is not the job for you. You, you have a, you have to reconceptualize how you think about it. Right. And I think that you bring up a really important point. I think a mindset's really important because people can get really, they can get really down on themselves and really start getting into that victim mindset. Like, especially when stuff gets hard, you know, and, sure. and just having that positive mindset and, and having faith in, yourself doing what you really want to do and just making it happen no matter what 
is I think really important. And then, you know, you really enjoying being in there, I think is really important because, you know, if you go in with the mindset, Oh God, I'm tired today. I don't really want to be here. Then that reflects. And then you start to lose clients and you start to lose athletes and you start to lose. But if you're just super pumped to be there all the time and you're really excited to help people, then that projects also. This, them walking through this door should be the best part of their day. It should be something that they come and train at 6 p.m. at night. They've just worked, you know, eight, nine, 10 hours. They've been running around all day. They're dealing with crap in their personal life and their work life. They should be able to walk through this door and I should be able to provide them the best experience they've had of the day to the point where, you know, again, I have a a member, Julie, who, you know, came in last night. I was like, you know, we had a, we had a bunch of snow up here. And she's like, I've been shoveling all day. Like I was running around doing work. She's like, I wasn't going to come in. And you know what? I, I just, I just did it. You know, I showed up and I, I, I tell people, it's not just like that first time I said, and this is one of those, I'm trying to figure out, I want to put like one or two quotes up on the wall. And one of them is, uh, and this is something that I, 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 you know, stolen and adapted from Dan John, who's stolen and adapted from someone else. But, you know, the hardest thing to do is to show up. If you show up again, I'll take care of the rest. You literally show up. I'm going to send, I'm going to bring you over to the foam rollers. I'm going to get your foam roll. We're going to stretch. We're going to go through some activation and some active warm. We're going to do some plyos and med balls. If you're having a bad day, I'm going to say, I don't even care what, you know, we're supposed to be doing for med ball stuff. You know, we're going to do med ball slams because I know you love doing med ball slams and I want you to get some of that, you know, whether you're, if you're pissed off or if there's something going wrong, get it out on that med ball. That's what they're built for. And I promise you, it's like, uh, I don't know how many matrix fans there are out there anymore, but it's <laughs> like when he goes and sees the Oracle, you know, yeah. is him a cookie. And, you know, by the time you walk out that door, you're not going to have a warrior in the world. You're going to feel great. Right. Uh, and that's what, you know, I think we need to try to provide. We need to provide something that people look forward to every single time. Not, oh man, I can't, I don't want to do that today. I'm going to feel like, you know, crap or, you know, I'm going to feel like I failed or something like that. Like it's just got to be a constant progression of success. Right. And so you mentioned that them walking in the door should be the best part of their day, but it also, if you, show them that it's the best part of your day as well then that i I literally tell them i literally will will tell people on a regular basis um you know you know thanks guys because like i I just want to let you know like this is especially those six o'clock groups or uh you know this is the best part of my day like thanks for thanks for showing up like even i'll sometimes you know sometimes i'll have someone just show up by themselves just because schedules work out weird and everyone's like packed in a one day versus another day. And I'll have one person show up by themselves and they'll say, Oh, do you want me to go home and I'll come back uh, like tomorrow? Like, no, this is like, if you don't show up, I'm literally, I'm just closing the doors and going home. Like this is what I want to do. Whether it's one person training in here or eight people or 10 people at a time, you know, it's still, you know, a blast. And you know, that's, Again, yeah, that's not a bad thing. That's not like a, you know, an honor thing to worry about, about telling people about that. Like you should be like, you know, like I love doing this. Like this is, this is great. Thank, thank you for showing up. You know, that means a lot. Right on. All right. I think that's a good place to end. <laughs> yeah, man, that was a quick hour. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciated the conversation. It was really fun. No, absolutely. Same. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. Absolutely. And where can people find you? 
Uh, they can go, the best places are probably, uh, you can, uh, everything is at Kevin Larrabee. So facebook.com slash Kevin Larrabee. I, I don't really post on there very much, but mostly on, um, you know, I should probably send people to Instagram, uh, on, I think it's, it's allied underscore strength. Uh, that's where you can find all the stuff that's going on in the gym. There's some education stuff on there as well. And then on Twitter, uh, you know, I'm still on there a little bit, uh, at Kevin Larrabee on there to kind of get updates for everything that I get going on is, is probably going through there, but you know how it is. Like everyone's kind of on Instagram at this point, uh, these days. So that's where I'm getting a lot of that stuff uh, posted on. Right on. And then are there any books that you're reading right now? Uh, there is, I actually have, it's not really fitness related, but it is, it might actually end up being fitness related. Um, so, uh, a friend of mine, Blake J Harris, who wrote this book console wars, um, about the, this again, nerdy stuff, history of Nintendo versus Sega in the eighties and nineties. Right. So, um, his follow-up book is on, is titled the history of the future, which is all about VR and, mm -hmm. you know, Facebook is investing heavily in it. Microsoft is, uh, Sony is, um, because what could end up happening is, you know, potentially down the road, that could be the future of the strength coach or the trainer, right? People could be literally getting this through VR and augmented reality where they could have a coach with them and literally have these things that are, you know, keeping an eye on, again, what we're really looking at is like geometry. We're looking at straight lines of joints and looking right. at how things are working. So, uh, that is the history of the future. And it's, it's really interesting and it's actually really uh, it's, it's making some news because it's really insightful into some weird stuff going on at Facebook, you know, go figure Facebook being weird, but um, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, that's the, other, and actually there was one more, there was uh yeah, there was one more that I was listening to on audible. So I'm usually reading a book and listening to a book. Um, the one on audible that I just actually, if, if there was two, one would, be recovery from russell brand which is that really is good. so it's a, good yeah it's just it's again it's it's to help you have a better understanding of why some people make the decisions they make it's why you know, you know people were working their butt off this all week and then they had you know they had like a binge eating event on the weekend like i right. think lots of things uh that we can kind of take from from that and it's just a really entertaining uh listen to yeah here um and yeah. the other one is uh, the other one is the Idea Factory, which is all about Bell Labs, um, which again, not fitness related, but again, I think you know if you want to be the most boring person in the world, only read fitness books or right. only read like self help books. Like the Idea Factory is some really good history, but it also talks to you about systems that they have implemented in there and some of the most important technology we have in the world today came out of bell labs and right. we're like the powerhouse uh of the the you know the 1900s so uh yeah definitely give that a listen too perfect all right thank you so much my friend 